As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Isn't it weird not talking about really horrible negative stuff every week? <laughs> going to be a challenge. Can't get my head around it. Yeah, I'm not used to it. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. My name's Taylor Payne. Coming up on this week's show... Controversy disallowed goals, last minute equalisers, my heart trying to escape its own chest cavity and all of the other emotions involved in that 1-1 draw v Liverpool. The Athletics' Amy Lawrence will be joining us to talk about Joe Willock and for a look ahead to this weekend's clash with Arsenal. We'll dive headfirst into the archives and look back to 2017 and the day that Newcastle United confirmed promotion back to the Premier League with a 4-1 win against Preston North End. And Lord George of Corkinshire shall be asking the questions as our face-off against Chris in the next instalment of the great Newcastle United pub quiz. But before we get our teeth into any of that, let's say hello to gorgeous George Colkin and Private Christopher Waffles. How are we doing, chaps? Are we well? I'm ecstatic because I'm not doing the quiz, so I can't lose this week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also ecstatic because we've got Amy on and I love Amy. I've known Amy for years and years and years and she's uh, not only is she shit hot at a job, she's also a smashing person. So I'm excited to be talking to her later. Lovely stuff. Chris, how are you doing, man? Are you well? I'm very good, thank you. Yes, I'm not too bad at all. Excellent stuff. How about yourself? I'm not too bad. You know, I'm pretty good. The pubs are open again. I've had a haircut. Uh, everything seems to be falling into place nicely. Newcastle have picked up some points. And uh, I've had a lovely pan of chocolate for my breakfast. With extra chocolate, you did uh, yeah. say before. I mean, don't miss that out. I cut open the pan of chocolate and I put extra chocolate spread into it because I am a big fat fatty fat. <laughs> <laughs> you cut open a pan of chocolate and put more chocolate inside. Yes. What's wrong with that? No, I quite like it. It's like <laughs> opening a sausage roll and putting in an extra sausage. I don't know. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> it's, hard to, it's like the heart attack version of a pan of chocolate. Though. It is. I quite like the idea of becoming a, a French baker when I was a when I was a kid, but there's only so much pain that I can take. Oh, terrible! 
Let's move on from that tumbleweed. Uh, before we get stuck into that frankly bizarre game of football against Liverpool at the weekend, uh, I've got just enough time to tell you about the Athletics' latest offer. Uh, you can subscribe to the Athletic UK right now for a special price of three ninety nine a month for six months. That's forty percent off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad free versions of all of our podcasts. Chris, anything interesting on the horizon from you on theathletic.com? Well, over the course of the last few days, I did a big piece with Mark Carey, one of our data writers, basically looking at Steve Bruce's My Way and what it's been like. It's 50, it was 15 games at that point, it was slightly before the weekend, into to what, what has changed, if anything, in terms of the way Newcastle are going to play and what Steve Bruce's way is. And then I did a piece after the, the bizarre game at the weekend, sort of like trying to almost explain how frankly ludicrous a lot of that match was and starting on the fact that John Joe Shelby moved to centre-back and then basically taking it from there to explain a bizarre game but a one Newcastle United took a point from and so was wonderful in the end. Wonderful stuff. George, how about you? Yeah, I did a piece last week on the mess of the Super League and my response to that as someone uh, who has watched Newcastle for all of their lives. Chris and I are working on something about what has changed for Newcastle since Brighton and Thank God it has. And yeah, I'm also going to go to Hartlepool this weekend and write something on them. They're doing very well um, in the whatever division they're in. Fantastic stuff. Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Glad you've got the details on that one, George. (laughs) So get yourself to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and take advantage of the special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Right then, chaps. That Liverpool game at the weekend, I've got four words for you, Christopher Waffles. Joe Willock, goal machine. Well, where there's a Willock, there's a way. I did oh, nick that from... Oh, you dirty boy. Where there's a Willock, there's a Wazzock, and he's about to speak. <laughs> well, I did I did actually nick that from uh, Max Roberts, a, fr- a mutual friend of George and ours, so I, I, will, I'll, oh, I, will, uh, I will give him a recognition for that. But, yeah, um, three last three appearances. First player since Adam Lafondre to score three wow. successive substitute appearances on the pitch in the Premier League. But, uh, yeah, what, a what, a, what an is. impact. Just, just pops up in the right place and scores goals. That's, that's what... Newcastle have lacked from midfield in recent years. That's what Steve Bruce has wanted. And Joe Willock is, is me. He certainly doesn't like the term super sub, as we saw. He doesn't, does he? <laughs> he <asked about> that. <laughs> but, uh, His but that's face when he got asked about that. Yeah. Fantastic. He's, George, we, we, we're going to talk to Amy Lawrence about Joe Willock in a bit more detail later on. But he's got that sort of Kevin Nolan knack of arriving late in the box, hasn't he? And just being in the right place at the right time. Yes, I'll be fascinated to hear what Amy says about uh, how he's being viewed uh, back at Arsenal at the mm. minute, because obviously there's already a lot of chat about uh, what Newcastle may or may not do in the summer, and Steve Bruce saying that he's the kind of player you would build a club around, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he's just got that. He's got that sort of uncanny ability to be in the right place at the right time, and it's it's valuable for any player in this Newcastle team which has struggled to score goals for. Uh, for so long in the past couple of seasons, but certainly for a midfielder, um, you know, because the team have been so reliant on Callum Wilson up to this point. So to have somebody else, to have somebody else who can take the strain um, in that sense is, is a great relief. And yeah, I mean, the, the, the challenge is um, what does Steve Bruce do with him? Because he can't, I mean, you can't, if you want to build a team around a fella, you can't just, you can't have him on the bench every week, but at the same time, the team is doing pretty well at the minute. So 
um, that will be a fascinating one to watch in the coming weeks. Certainly. Well, Chris, not to put too fine a point on it, it was an absolutely ridiculous game of football, wasn't it, on uh, on Saturday? The first half was it was sort of inexplicable in terms of the way that the game just opened up. I've never seen a game with so little structure. I've been to some bizarre matches, but there was just no... Now, that all the players seemed to be in the middle of the pitch, and yet there, yeah. seemed, there seemed to be so much space for everyone to attack into. It just none of it made any sort of sense. And really, I mean, Liverpool should have had five goals easy in the first half, and Newcastle should have had two or three um, and both teams, when they attacked, looked like they were going to score. And somehow at half time it was only 1 0. I mean, obviously, that wonderful ball from Shelby to release Sean Longstaff, who I know a lot of people yes. could say he's just scored. I think he's, he's, he's managed to get in that position and his feet have got a bit tangled. He's got it on target. I think it's a little bit harsh to say he has to score. He's, he's, got, yeah. the, he's got the shot on target. He probably should score, but he's got the shot on target. And I think there was a little bit too much criticism, maybe, of that specific moment. But then there was that, I mean, the moment that sort of summed up Newcastle's first off in some ways was, was when Joe Linton and Almiron ran into each other and that was just like oh my god <laughs> it was like watching American wrestling that they used to show on ITV when I was a kid it was like you know <laughs> bounce off the ropes and fly into each other it was uh, absolutely ridiculous but I mean New- Newcastle kind of I think Newcastle have looked a little bit more organised at the back I know you're saying it was a bit all over the place but since uh, Federico Fernandez's return I think the, the, that back line and Paul Dummett in there as well I think they've they've looked a little bit more organised, George, haven't they? Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, they relied on Dubravka to make some good saves. Yeah, but you know, they're 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 capable of making those last ditch challenges and tackles and things like that. I mean, they came under a lot of pressure from Liverpool, um, and I think on a different day they would have conceded more goals. But the one thing, well, you know, there are a couple of things to say here. Is firstly, again, we've said this, you know, we've said this over the past couple of weeks now, but. To, to have done what they've done um, after Brighton is of great credit to the players and to the management and and coaches because it just looked terminal at that point. And, um, you know, they've responded really well. And in all of those games, they've faced adversity in one sort of another. They've either had to come from, you know, they've come from behind or they've had to react to kind of get a result. And they've kept going right till the end. I mean, they've kept going right to the end of the games and they did that. Did that against um, did that against Liverpool too, and you know I I just think that that Brighton felt like such a hammer blow, and it just looked to me that sort of hope was lost. But they found a way of of responding, and they found a way that sort of um, allowed that spirit of theirs um, to sort of come back again. Which is it's not necessarily easy to explain, but thank God they've thank God they've done it. And it yeah, it was a, it was just a good. Silly, stupid uh, <laughs> game of football that was that was just enjoyable for its own sake, and from our perspective, it had the right result at the end of it. it was classic Barclays, wasn't it? Uh, and and that that sort of <laughs> that little response that Newcastle have had has came in conjunction with uh, Alan Maximan and and Callum Wilson returning. Chris uh, and Wilson caused problems, didn't he? And and Liverpool didn't seem to to know how to handle St Maximan as well. St Maximan really has impressed me the last few weeks because at points. Uh, previously, I think it was fair to say that as brilliant as he could look, he also had a propensity to disappear with his own backside. Whereas <laughs> in recent weeks, what, certainly that first half, I mean, for example, the ball that he played through for when Almiron and, and Joe Linton ran into one of that, he beat he beat three or four men who backtrack, yeah. he drags them out of position, and then he fa- he finds that final ball, and that's the impact that he has brought. And Steve Bruce, to be fair, and him has always said. You put Callum Wilson in this team. You put Alan Saint-Maximin in this team, and we're completely different. And that has yeah. proven to be the case. And and Steve Bruce has managed his return well. He didn't start him initially 
brought them on. Obviously, in the Burnley game made the impact in the last two games. He's, he's had a key role in deciding those. Callum Wilson, I personally thought, should have started at the weekend. But again, the impact he had coming on the bench, Newcastle was still only 1-0 down. He bizarrely had the, had the goal disallowed, for, for, for which I was actually more annoyed about the lack of penalty being awarded than the actual the the push decision. by Alexander Armstrong, yeah. Technically, the VAR decision was right. We can all we, we can debate that the ins and outs of VAR as loads of people have, but technically that was correct. But then if you are going to pull it back for that, then you look at the fact that Alexander Arnold's pushed him, and that's the reason why the handball eventually comes up and that he didn't get the shot away. But if he goes down, he probably gets the penalty, doesn't he? Probably, yeah. But again, that's just a stupid, that's just stupid, in my opinion, officiating. That's not the way that it should be. It's like then you're no. encouraging him to go down, and then we're going to have this debate about whether people go down too early. But that was why the Willick mum was just, I mean, so sweet, given everything with the Super League last week, given everything that had gone on. It was just, it was hilarious though, that, that last minute. It certainly was. And the the, the reaction of, of the Liverpool players and Klopp when that when that goal went in. Um, what I must say, and that hasn't been pointed out actually from that last goal, was the header by Dwight Gale yeah. uh, from the ball in by Dummett was absolutely brilliant. The fact he got that ball down to Joe Willock's feet was a, was a wonderful bit of play. Yeah, did very, very well. And it was it's one of those games, I mean, you know, obviously with the, the Super League thing and then with that ending, you would have just loved supporters of both teams to have been in the ground because... You know, I'm sure that it would have been. Um, I'm oh, sure it would have yeah. been lively anyway. What with uh, what with their what with their role and and um, absolutely FSG's role in the Super League thing, and then that that last minute that last minute um, or that later uh, equaliser, it just would have been fantastic. It would, and that's eight points from the last four games, Chris. For Newcastle, are they all but safe now? They are, yeah. And I just want to echo what George said. I. I... Did not see this coming. I did not see where Newcastle would be capable of getting this many points for the last few games. And have they ruled their luck at times? Yes, undoubtedly. I think they ruled their luck. I think I was maybe in the minority on Saturday at the end of the game. I mean, obviously, Alan Shearer tweeted saying deserved at least a point. I'm not actually sure that is true. I think that on the balance of play, Liverpool deserved to win. But Newcastle showed that resilience. They're stuck at it again. And they managed to get that point. And... It's something that they weren't showing previously and things have changed and there's been a turnaround for whatever reason and everyone, coach, players, well, coach, sorry, head coach, players, everyone deserves a bit of credit for that. And as much as um, I think a lot a lot of people wanted and, well, the vast majority of people wanted Newcastle to make the call on Bruce during the international break, they stuck to their guns and you can say that at least in some ways they have been, they've been rewarded. What they want this season is, is Newcastle United to survive. I think they're safe already. I thought they were safe before the weekend. I think the, the way that the game went at the weekend and then also West Brom's sort of last minute uh, conceding, which was, again, terrible to see Big Sam in such a, such a way like that. But um, but that's by, that's by the by. But yeah, I, th- I think they are safe. And now it's... it's. I don't. Th- I think they should go in the Arsenal game with no fear whatsoever. I really think this is a game that, given the fact that Arsenal have Europa League to focus on, that Newcastle can, can go into it with a lot of confidence because I don't think they're great. And Newcastle have shown that they can cause teams problems. And if they start Sam Maximan and Wilson, I don't think any defence is going to fancy that. Definitely not. Well, then, just before we move on, also, I uh, just want to say Fabian Scher came through 45 minutes for the reserves as well, which is great news and good to see that. I was thinking he was probably not going to make another appearance for Newcastle this season, but it's fantastic to see him back on his feet. Can I just say that personally, I'm very pleased about that because given the lack of Newcastle players that are likely to be at the Euros, I was worried I was going to have to write, write about Emil Kraft being on the Sweden bench every single week during the Euros. So that might give me something else to focus on. From a purely selfish point of view, Chris. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Outstanding stuff. Well, uh, we'll be back in uh, just a little bit with Amy Lawrence to talk about all things Arsenal. Speak to you soon.
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So we are joined by The Athletic's Amy Lawrence. Amy's here to talk about all things Arsenal. Amy, how are you doing? I'm pretty good, thanks. Sun is shining down here. Are we not any Super League? Um, <laughs> you know, we're just trying to get used to think from things that will be familiar for you of how the hell do you deal with having an owner that drives everybody bonkers but doesn't seem to want to go anywhere. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll be familiar with all this stuff. We're well versed in all of that stuff. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for coming on anyway. It's fantastic to have you. Just to start with, um, Joel Willock. What a, what an impression that young man's made, hasn't he? Mm, do you like him? I do a lot, yeah. He's he's uh, he's a great little player. I mean, it's a, it, I'm really pleased for him that he's had a loan that has been so uh, uh, effective and enlightening and probably has done a lot for his confidence. Um, I'm fascinated to see where it goes from here because... I think there's always that thing with a young player who comes from the through from the academy and is part of the you know what, what what you dream of, which is producing your own players to play for your own club and have that affection and affiliation that comes from you know all the years of development. Um, but there's there is often that point where it's like, will they won't they when they reach that sort of uh, limbo almost where you can sometimes you have that window of opportunity um, and where is it going to go and Obviously, Arsenal have had a little cluster come through with Saka, Smith Rowe, and Joe Willock, and Maitland Niles, uh, and Enketia. And you know, it's it's unrealistic that that all of them become a first team regulars forever and ever. Uh, it looks like Saka and Smith Rowe have really nailed that opportunity, and the others are you know uh, ha- having a slightly different path with with more uh, loans outside the club rather than developing within. And some, I guess, will come possibly come back uh, and some won't. Or maybe none of them will come back, but we don't know. But of course, you send someone on loan and you always think, are they going to go off on loan and come back a better player or a more wanted player or a more developed player? Or are they going on loan with a view to how can you cash in? And I think that it, Joe's such an interesting player because while he might not be the most perfectly formed uh, player, he has got something that very others have, which is this knack for scoring goals. And it's not new. It's been with him throughout his youth career. In fact, the season before he really made his breakthrough into the first team at Arsenal, he got a ton of goals from midfield, like, you know, well into the high teens, I think, and was involved in a lot of assists. And his goal involvements were... Sort of striker numbers rather than midfield numbers but the the thing you always have with him is is he good enough in all the other aspects of midfield play to be someone that 
you're relying on your starting every week and you trust to have in an important midfield position. And I'm fascinated that it seems you're watching him every week at the moment that he obviously doesn't like this super sub role yet he's coming on and doing the business. Is he, I'm, ju- I'm just wondering, it's, it's interesting, Amy, you, there, are, there, there can often be different reasons for going out on loan. You might send a really young kid out on loan to sort of toughen them up. That's the, That would be sort of be the cliche. Or you might send out players who, you know, are kind of nowhere near the first team and, you know, it's like putting them in the shop window. It feels like Joe Woolock is some, somewhere sort of in between those things that he's already... You know, he is still young, but he's he's made quite a lot of first-team appearances for Arsenal. Would that be a fair reflection of where he stands at the club, that maybe people aren't quite sure, um, you know, w- what his status would be? Is he is he someone to filter back into the first team, or is he somebody that they would let let go? I think that's a brilliant point, and I think that that, that whole debate has to be contextualised with the fact that Arsenal need money. Um, so in the same way that, say, maybe uh, Emmy Martinez came into the team and uh, uh, did a phenomenal job in goal at the tail end of last season, and there was a big debate about whether it should be Martinez or, or Leno, uh, and, and it's in a way that debate goes on because, you know, Leno's making a lot of mistakes and a lot of people think that Martinez is um, having a better season, let's just say. But the only one they had a bid for was Martinez. Yeah. They needed cash. If they wanted to go and try and buy Thomas Partey, which they did, they didn't have any money and nobody, they weren't getting bids on anyone. And they got a 20 pound bid for a, a, a goalkeeper. And I think that instructs sometimes your, you know, what should we do here? And in the same way that with Joe, this is a big summer for, for Arsenal. And if bids come in for him and they don't come in for other people, let's just say, I would, I would think that that can that can push Arsenal to leaning one way or another. I'd like to think they make a purely sporting decision um, and look at Joe and what he can bring in terms of scoring goals from midfield. It's been noted by just about everybody that Arsenal have scored almost no goals from midfield (laughs) all season without Joe. So he fulfills a role that no one else is capable of at the moment in the current team. In fact, Thomas Partey's shooting is is already the stuff of... uh, um, a great deal of sort of memes and cynicism and like look away now or hide or whatever. But um, so, but I would be, I would be with my practical head on rather than my emotional head on looking at Arsenal thinking, I think I know what they do if they got a big bid because I think they need money to strengthen in other areas. However, it may well be if they don't get tempted or if money is is possible elsewhere that Joe will will be coming back and pushing for that place. I mean, how did Arteta use Willock? Because at Newcastle, he's come in and he, he's played a, a few different roles so far. And I mean, Steve Bruce has mentioned he's played number 10 before, but we've seen him sort of in midfield three. We've seen him even as a false nine at times. And what was it that, how did Arteta use him? And what was it that he really wanted to see more from him from this loan? But that's a really, really good question because I, I, it's been. I think that was possibly the thing that was a little bit tricky for for Joe in that he he has come in and played all over the place. He's played on the wing. He's you know he's cropped up deeper in midfield, further forward in midfield, in different midfield combinations, false nine, you name it. And um, if you compare that to well, I suppose if you compare that to Bukayo Saka, he's played in a lot of positions and and it doesn't seem to have held him back at all, but. 
someone like Smith Rowe has come in and more or less been playing as a 10 or sometimes shifted out uh, to accommodate Odegaard. And I think for, for a player like Joe, it would help him to have a more settled position. Um, but he hasn't, he hasn't been able to nail that yet. And I don't know whether that was my, my, I would, if it was me, what would I have wanted Joe to achieve from his loan at Newcastle? Show me that you can do all, your discipline to do all the things required of a central midfield player um, is there rather than just being tremendous with your impact and capability of, of, of scoring goals. Which is a you know his timing of his runs is the way he appears his ability to finish it's class um, is I think as such a, a fantastic weapon for any football club to have. He's in a bit of a difficult position at the minute though, isn't he? With Steve Bruce playing him as a as a sub rather than a starter, seems to be quite set on having Shelby and Longstaff in the middle and. And if if Joe wants to to prove to Arteta that he's capable of of holding down that central midfield role, starting games would really be uh, the minimum he'd need, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, you tell me. Has he got no chance of that at the moment? Is that the is that set in stone? <laughs> I mean, I would be playing him from the start personally, but I, I, you could you never know with with Newcastle. I mean, it's difficult because Newcastle have a sort of lot of Newcastle's problem at the minute is that they they don't really they haven't had settled systems for a while. But every time they change system, it's sort of they've got a bit of an unbalanced squad, and it's different difficult to know who fits in where. And in the current system, Willick maybe doesn't fit in as comfortably at least seemingly from what maybe Bruce wants from the players from the start. And so he's, he's bringing him on as, as an impact player. I, I do think he could he could perform in that role. And, and But I suppose Steve Bruce would turn around and go, well, Joe Willock's come on the last three games and got us five points. So it's sort yeah, of exactly. worked in, in what we've done. So he's in a bit of a difficult position there, yeah. Would you want to sign him from what you've seen of him, if, he, if you could? Yeah, definitely. I mean... I... Well, the the point I was going to make was that Steve Bruce has also said he's the kind of player you would build your club around, and the sort of you know the the, the response to that is, but you're not even starting him, Steve. Yeah. So that's the sort of <laughs> that's the kind of very Newcastle-y sort of conundrum that there is at the moment. I would want to start him because he's dynamic. Not only does he sort of add the goal threat, but he wants to drive forward. I can understand in the short term that things aren't changing because, you know, since their draw with Tottenham, they're they're unbeaten and are kind of looking moderately moderately good. And as Chris says, he's coming on and scoring goals, so it's sort of not as if it's a sort of long term problem. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's the same it's the same old story with Newcastle. It's the it's the short blanket that you you kind of solve one problem somewhere and you and you kind of immediately create one somewhere else but yeah. I, I love the impact he's had so far and he's brought sort of enthusiasm and dynamism to the to the midfield that's what we've lacked a little bit we've lacked a bit of that energy haven't we in that midfield and he's definitely brought that since he's came in I would love to see him sign permanently I think he's the sort of player we've needed for a while Amy mm. oh, well, we'll have to all watch this space because I'm none the wilder than you lot but uh, <laughs> you know, we're all trying to second guess what the plans might be for Arsenal have got a lot of people on loan and a fair amount of work they'd like to do and it's really hard to predict the future for for just about half the squad at the moment I don't know if that resonates with you lot yeah yeah well I mean and obviously he can't play this weekend but we will ask you a little bit about the uh, about the match this weekend as well I mean we're very used to talking about Newcastle in terms of crisis and in terms of uh, all those sorts of things it's quite nice to talk to somebody else um, who, who might be going through something a bit similar. I mean it's been it feels like it's been another extraordinary week for Arsenal, both sort of 
off the pitch in terms of European Super League and now with takeover stuff as well. What is the mood around the club at the moment? Pretty bonkers, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is one of those where you literally sort of I wake up in the morning or you've gone and done something and then you turn on social media and it's like being hit on the head by a complete other load of madness that you hadn't imagined. <laughs> this sounds so familiar. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think the thing that is... I mean, obviously the Super League scenario was a big shock to everyone's system and it was very pleasing to see how the backtrack came about so quickly and it was pleasing to see the fans mobilising. Um, and even not just the fans, but I mean, you know, you're looking around for people involved, players, managers, whatever, at the, the clubs to see who was brave enough to come out and make a comment. And um it, Arsenal were a bit quiet for a while and then Hector Bellerin, who was the predictable voice of reason in all of this <laughs> on behalf of Arsenal, made a, 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 a comment. And then rather brilliantly, Ian Wright went full in two-footed uh, yeah. as if he was aiming yeah. for Peter Schmeichel back in the day with a cronky tweet. <laughs> and that was like, wow, because he's uh, someone who is employed by the club in an ambassadorial role. So he's got those connections and, and to do yeah. something like that took a lot of, bravery I think um, but we're in this situation and, and it's not new because he's been around for a while but it feels new to an extent where the owner is very unloved um, in general uh, the, the, the feeling of a kind of lack of aspirations or way to kind of put the club back on a more positive sort of step is very much in the air and yet it feels it's a bit different to Mike, you with Mike Ashley because obviously Mike Ashley appears to be wanting to sell Newcastle but struggling to get that over the line. Whereas Stan Kroenke's and all the noises that come out of them is no intention of selling. So you feel very stuck. You feel a bit powerless. Um, and that's a worry because it feels like stasis. It feels like how do you change this? Yeah, it's, it's, it's slightly different positions in terms of the league and, and Europe and stuff. But I mean, very similar in terms of that feeling of powerlessness and that loss of aspiration from the club, the loss of loss of ambition. How would you sort of mark Arteta in the job so far? I mean, I know that's one of those sort of eternal questions with, with Arsenal. The reason it's sort of interesting uh, to me beyond just being interested in Arsenal is that he is someone that Newcastle sort of looked at in the summer when, when Rafa left and also someone that the prospective buyers were looking at very closely in terms of someone that they would have been interested in that just goes to show how long the takeover or non-takeover process has been going on in Newcastle but what what do you make of Arteta so far? Good question and I'd have to uh, answer that almost twice over so I think how what, what did I make of him last season? Uh, I think he did a phenomenal job when he first came in and the impact that he was able to make in picking up an absolute mess uh, the, the squad was really shambolic the morale was very flaky and there were a lot of problems around and the way he tackled them both verbally. And I think he's good at expressing himself. Uh, and the famous line that keeps coming back is non-negotiables. He said that on day one, you know, I've got non-negotiables and you either agree with them and live up to them or cheerio. And he's been true to his word with that, you know, in, 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 obviously taking on a player as powerful as Meza Ozil and others that he's fallen out with or he's, you know, distanced um, the amount that he's used them until he's 
maybe let them back in. He he's shown a bit of a disciplinarian, very strong, stubborn streak. They weren't great to watch last season, but I wasn't surprising given that the squad was a bit of a, a, a shambles. But he managed to get them to win the FA Cup and yeah. beat some good teams in the process. Yes. And to be on it and get back into Europe when they were looking at being out of Europe for the first time in nearly 25 years. And I thought that was a remarkable achievement, all in all. An imperfect one, plus is COVID and, you know, the football stopped and then behind closed doors. I mean, it was a very mad opening few months to his, uh, anybody's managerial career. And I thought he handled it all pretty well. Uh, this season is not the same. This season, I think, has shown some of those kind of like uh, very high, you know, standards that he demand, a very high demands and a very set way of doing things. He's been struggling to achieve them. So, you know, the, the team is, is not doing, you know, be absolutely totally ninth and 10th virtually all season. They've lost almost a record number of games. They don't do well at home uh, at the moment. It's been a kind of up and down season, but a lot of down that you think, this is really not where Arsenal think they ought to be. And I think he's had things that he's not handled perhaps quite as well or has, or has not been effective um, compared to the year before. So he's lost a bit of the ground that he made. It's like he, he, it's like he sprinted off into the job <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and he's, he's feeling a bit now. Um, so they, they, they have a Europa League semi-final against Villarreal and that's pretty massive really because if they don't do well in that, I think there'll be a lot of noise suggesting where's the progress. Uh, there's a lot of talk of what's called trust the process. That's one of the catchphrases. And, it, you know, the, the more people that start to use it, ironically, it's not really a good sign. So I think Your catchphrase is, trust the process. Ours is, where's the bacon? That sums up. <laughs> and the other thing is, right? The That's other thing is listening... catchphrase. I'm quite jealous. Can we swap? Listening, no, listening to you there, it's like, Arsenal can be a shambles and yet win the FA Cup. Mm. Why can't Newcastle be a shambles and win the FA Cup? Well, quite. <laughs> hey? Answer no me idea. that. Well, you can't, you can't answer me that. So, I mean, I reckon that sort of this has fallen quite well. For, well, potentially this has fallen quite well for Newcastle yeah. this weekend because it's not Arsenal's most important game. I mean, in fact, you know, they have those two 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 games against Villarreal and they're obviously massively important. So do you think... What, well, okay. Give us a give us a prediction for the weekend. I know that's horrible, but um, I'm I'm predicting that uh, I don't expect Arsenal to have a particularly cohesive or motivated performance. <laughs> well, that, that, makes, that makes two. Oh, of us come on, be a, be a bit more vague, me, please. Come on. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, oh, well. I think we'll, uh, we'll 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 wrap things up there, Amy. Thank you so much for your time. It's been great to talk to you, yeah, and um, and good luck for the rest of the season. Pleasure, mate. Anytime. Take care, guys. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu.
Right then, ladies and gentlemen, join us as we take a little stroll down memory lane, not too far down memory lane, in fact, back to 2017 when Newcastle United clinched promotion against Preston North End at St James's Park. Have a little listen to this. going near and gets there, it's in! The touch from Iose Perez! Oh, and this could be interesting, it's Daniel Johnson racing through! And Rob Elliott to deny him. A shout, but a break on here for Preston. Barkhazen. Here we go, Johnson, Brown arriving, into Hugel! He's done it! Preston have gate-crashed the party! And it's big Jordan Hugill who's had a fabulous season for Preston. It's Isaac Hayden on the surge here for Newcastle. Oanatsu here, has the chance! And takes it! Richie's delivery. That was Spur that time. Perez! Who's there in the follow-up? Oh, handball, surely! Richie! Has to be for Gallagher. There is no option. That's surely the one. Matt Ritchie staying cool when it matters. Sells again near post. Oh, and Hugo! And it's in! Another fortunate goal! Jitters, the job is done. In the minimum time, Newcastle bounce straight back to the Premier League. Oh, there we go, chaps. Great game, that wasn't it? Party atmosphere inside of St James, a, a fantastic night, and Rafa Benitez tucking his glasses into his top pocket in uh, emphatic style as Newcastle clinch promotion back to the Premier League. Chris, fantastic game. It was a fantastic game, and it was it was a bit of relief because even though by that stage Newcastle got them in such a strong position, not long before that there was a bit of a wobble. If you remember yes. the games against, uh, particularly over Easter weekend, I remember Easter weekend being particularly difficult for Newcastle. Friday night, winning 1-0 against Leeds, and then Chris Wood scored a late equaliser. Then they went to Ipswich on the Monday, and they were torn to shreds. And I remember going back to, to the hotel that was st- that I was staying at in Ipswich and thinking, this this could go, this could this could still go wrong. But then that, yeah. that evening, Huddersfield... I think failed to win, and so by that stage it was back in Newcastle's hands again, and they went in that Preston match, and you just you just felt all day this is this is actually going to happen, this is going to be the way it is, and and Newcastle went about their job so well, and just a brilliant performance and a wonderful wonderful way to have wrapped it up early as well, make sure it wasn't going down to like the final game of the season, and, yeah. and that they were going back to the Premier League, so just wonderful wonderful night. 
George, of course, that Barnsley game on the last day was the game that, that Newcastle clinched the title, just snatching it from Brighton at the last minute. But this was a great night as well. And Newcastle had a fantastic game, 68% possession, 22 shots, 16 corners. They they tore Preston North End a new one, didn't they? They had the capability of doing that to sort of uh, roll through teams, push through teams. But yeah, I mean, relief, as Chris says, was the first was the first thing after that little wobble. And a bit like, you know, a bit like the previous championship season, it sort of gets, I think, partially in one's own memory, but also sort of history gets rewritten a little bit. It's like, oh, you know, Newcastle always going to come up first time. And, uh, you know, they had the strongest squad, they had the strongest team, they had the best manager and it, it was always going to happen. But that doesn't mean that at the time it wasn't tough and it wasn't hard, hard going at places. And, you know, they didn't just turn up and do it. They had to kind of graft week in and week out. But I mean, that was a... I do remember that sort of big exhalation that night because they had just they had just they had gone through that little that little rocky spell and it, this was no okay it's going to be okay now it's going to be all right and you know it's a good reminder about the players that are still at the club that were the core of that team that night um, you know and still. And still are really. Yeah, Jamal Lascelles, Paul Dummett, Kieran Clark, Isaac Hayden, Matt Ritchie, John Joe Shelby all started the game. And you know, those those players are still with us. Chris, four years on from that, at the time there was a lot of positivity around the club. There was a lot of possibilities uh with Rafa there. He'd stayed on, and then obviously we know what happened from then on. Looking looking back uh four years in the future, how how do you feel Newcastle have progressed? And and uh, I mean, I don't think we've lived up to that potential, have we? Well, Christian Atsu scored. Do you remember him? Yes, he is. Uh, he is actually he got an assist for the under twenty three. Still yesterday. there. Still there. Been took his goal well, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he did take his goal very well that day. I mean, that that's the frustration, the internal frustration with with Mike Ashley's Newcastle is that that they they have those moments that that season seemed, or well, those eighteen months for the start of Benitez's time seemed to be a sort of positive aberration of the Mike Ashley era. That, that, that maybe there was a positive, maybe things could work under Mike Ashley. Maybe there was a way to try and progress the club, but instead they've, they've reverted to type. And this is the end of the nearly the fourth season back in the Premier League. And they've got, they haven't made any progress whatsoever, really. They're, they're actually going to probably finish lower than they've finished at all since they've been back in the Premier League. This season has been torturous. Thankfully, they've managed to drag themselves back out of a terrible position they were in. And they are just about safe now. But... It's you just worry about next season. What 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 does next season hold? Is there going to be any progress whatsoever? Is it just going to be Steve Bruce's remit as to to finish seventeenth and above if if Nick, if Mike Ashley remains owner? And that is the concern because he, he even more so than the past he has checked out. And so it is it is frustrating to think back to those to that moment and think that this seemed to be the start of of, of a positive journey, but eventually there was, there was just that glass ceiling that, that Mike Ashley's Newcastle has. You know, there's a couple of things to, to to remark upon, I think. I mean, it's just that great reminder that when your team is winning matches more often than not, it's just a great feeling. You know, it's a great feeling being in the stadium. It's a great feeling being around the club and in the city. It just makes um, it makes such a big difference to your weekend and it makes such a big difference to the um, to the whole to the whole place, really. And it sort of doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what division you're in if you're doing that, um, you know. And um, no, as Chris says, I mean, yeah, it felt like, it, I mean, I, I suppose in retrospect, it feels like we all sort of um, averted our gaze from the obvious, maybe for, for two or three years. But there was that, you know, that, there was that sense that Newcastle will come back into the Premier League, recalibrated with momentum behind them, 
with some positivity behind them and it was kind of chance to start again but we've pretty quickly found ourselves in a in a very familiar situation i think it's you know i I said earlier talking about liverpool i mean it's it's it is really really great that the team have responded in the way they have since brighton and it's been actually quite fun watching games or bits of games certainly and you know etc etc i think if you allow yourself to sort of look wider than that or bigger than that it's kind of just giving the feels like it's giving the club just the chance you know all of us to go you know to go through the same stuff that we've been going through and that's over the last couple of years and that's difficult to sort of really think about and difficult to take so that's why it's maybe more fun to sort of focus on the smaller picture at the minute but yeah it was one of the, you know one of those nights one of those occasions where you just get you know reminded of the of the club's potential and and power absolutely and Chris just before we move on we have to say a, a special mensch uh, for <clears throat> Preston North End striker Paul Gallagher for a fantastic save on the goal line point blank range low to his left uh, tipping the ball around the post earning himself a red card uh, and Matt Ritchie dispatching the resultant penalty as well uh, it's not often you see that one is it? it it was a great save I was slightly disappointed though that he didn't try the Stephen Taylor sort of I've been shot it was he just accepted his <laughs> the sniper yeah so it was <laughs> that was the slight disappointment but the save itself was very good yeah it's almost like a reaction thing that isn't it when you see players doing that and they put their hand out and they go oh shit what have I done <laughs> great stuff anyway let us move on It is the great Newcastle United pub quiz. And this week, your quiz master is Sir George Culkin. George, what you got for us? I've got a really badly thought out quiz, if that's all right with you. <laughs> I mean, is that any different yeah, every other week? At the last minute. <laughs> um, no, we are, we are going to be in the pub. I think I'm just going to go local tonight, if that's all right. I mean, it's a bit of a journey for you, Taylor. I'm sorry. That's okay. But we're just we we are we're just going to go to the Gosford Hotel, which is my local. Fantastic! Always have great beer there, so I'm looking forward to that. And I think yeah, good. That'll be a nice place to host um, host this quiz. Easy for me to get there. Not too far to stagger back. Couldn't really give a toss about you. Handy for the metro for me. Metro's just up the road. Yeah, it's not too far for the metro. Yeah, it's not too far for the metro. Lovely stuff. Yeah. Well, I shall await your real-life invitation right? to that pub uh, any day now. Absolutely. <laughs> any, any, absolutely any, any year now. Uh, well, hopefully before lockdown number seven. Yeah, definitely. We'll so in honour of Joe Willock, we are doing a loan spell special quiz. Ooh. So I'm looking at some of Newcastle's great and not so great loan signings of the past recent years. The past recent years? Does that make Ooh. sense? Um, and... What I'm going to do is I've I've got four loan players who've been at Newcastle, and they there are two questions per each signing. Um, I'm just trying to work out how best to do this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to toss a coin to see who goes first, and um, that's going to be lock of the draw. You'll get two questions on each player. Does that make sense? Go for it. All right, All right Chris, head or tails. Hills. It's a euro and it doesn't actually have a head on it. Are you all right? <laughs> this is this has been a very oh, well thought out start to this quiz, George. So. Oh, 
Yeah, I, yeah, I'd quite like to re-record some of this because it was been so fucking shambolic. But, <laughs> no, it's um, great. Keep going. I love it. Um, <laughs> right, Chris, I'll have to redo that again. Um, two euro coin or side or other side? Other side. <laughs> it's the two euro side. I'm sorry you're wrong. Right, so that means, Taylor, you're going first. And your Newcastle loan sign is Loic Remy. Oh, okay. Okay. Who joined Newcastle on loan from Queen's Park Rangers in 2016. Yes. He then, after, after a successful loan, he then joined Chelsea for £10.5 million. Your first question on Loic Remy is, which English club did he subsequently join on loan? Um, after Chelsea, correct. He went to, um, Crystal Palace, didn't he? Are you asking me? Or he you went to Crystal me? Palace, but he didn't play many games. I know that. You are not a very far away dinger. Sometimes it, sometimes it works better than this. Maybe it needs George. Whatever you do, don't open a hotel reception. Right. Right. Your follow-up question is a real stinker. Oh. Which Turkish club does Loic Remy now play for? Oh, God, I don't know, but it probably ends in Spore. That's all I know. I'm, I'm going to give you half a point for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's Risa Spore. No, it's half, get in. half the, yeah. half no, the league, getting... if not more, is ends with Spore. You can't give half a point for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Chris. I'm, these are my rules. It's my quiz. It's my rules. I'm not taking it's any like shit off anybody. It's like saying in England, oh, they've got that. FC in the title or something. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe on a subsequent oh. question, I might feel kind, kindly towards you and give you half a point. However, oh, I can imagine Chris's face where you right are, now. I'm just more, Shambolic. I'm more likely to dock your points. Right, <laughs> your Newcastle United loan player. I'm just tempted now just to go straight to the heart. Is Islam Slimani, <laughs> the Algeria international who joined Newcastle from Leicester? In January 2018, your first question is: How many league games did Islam Slimani start for Newcastle? It's not multiple choice, so it's quite difficult. I think you only made about five or six appearances of that. Uh, two. Wah, wah. Oops! <laughs> it was one. So I'm afraid you're wrong. You were quite close. However, your second question question about Slimani is actually (laughs) slightly easier. Um, His next move on loan was to a Turkish club. So yet again, a Turkish club. Ooh, Chris, maybe you could say something similar to Taylor here. But which club would be wrong if I said that? Because I don't think it would be... So you wouldn't give us half a point. I think it was Fenerbahce, so... Correct. So but I've got half a point if I'd said it and half. probably ends with spore. No, you, you wouldn't because it would have been wrong. <laughs> Get it. <laughs> Excellent. Right. It's one point to Chris. It's one and a half very controversial points to Taylor. <laughs> Round two of, no, question three. I don't know. Um, Taylor, yes. Antonio Barreca. Oh, Jesus. Yes. January the 31st, 2019, the Italy under-21 international joined Newcastle on loan from Monaco. 
He made one substitute appearance for the club. He did, I remember it. Name me either of the Italian clubs he next joined on loan. Oh, God. Oh, I thought you were going to ask me for the team he played against. Oh, bollocks. Um, oh, God, Italian teams. I, I genuinely don't know who this is, so it would be a guess. Um, I've got I've got Sampdoria in my head, but... Oh. I know you do. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know. Fiorentina. <laughs> oh, <laughs> see, yes, get in. <laughs> ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Yes, and the other alternative was Genoa. Oh, right. Genoa, right? Okay. Genoa, I don't know if he yeah. yeah. The other, the next question is: Name the team against oh, who made his only ball <laughs> for Newcastle. <laughs> Why is that bloody obvious? It's famous that he's the only person of yeah, doesn't know. Um, it was it was Man City, wasn't it? Oh no, he's wrong. He's wrong. Yes, he's wrong. Is it wrong? Yes. Wah, wah, it was oops. Wembley. He's the only, he's the only player oh, I think I in the talking, history yeah. that only made their appearance at Wembley. Frig. Yes, uh, of course. Chris, you could good win quiz, this. Mate. Yeah, good question. Yeah. Oh, now you're on side, are you? Yeah. Bloody apple polisher, Chris. Chris. You're, I could have given you half a point as a bonus there. I'm tempted to do that. Don't you just fucking dare, Colgan. No, I'm going to do that. I'm going to level it. I'm giving you <laughs> half a point just to level that up. So you get you get half a ding. Right, Chris. Sedu Dumbia. <laughs> oh, God. Joined Newcastle on loan from Roma on February the 1st, 2016. He made three appearances uh, for the club or from the bench, okay? Which Swiss club did he then join on loan in 2016-17? Basel. Absolute bullshit. Yes. That is correct. FC bullshit. And you know what he did? He scored 20 goals in 25 (laughs) appearances. Of course he did, because it's an absolute joke league, that's why. Won the Swiss League and then also won the Swiss Cup. So I now reckon the scores are level. But if Chris gets his second question right, he'll win the quiz. And I think you'll get this. Doombia and eight teammates were sacked by FC Sion in March 2020. Why? I don't know the answer to this. Um, uh, failing to take drugs tests. Oh, the tension in here now. No, they refused to take a pay cut because of the coronavirus. Oh, I do oh. remember that now. Oh God, I've done a pie type. Type. I've done a pie take. I've done a pie take. I've done a pie take. <laughs> question but i haven't actually written the answer down um so um this is a tie break it's quite a simple one in some ways right i'm going to go to you first taylor because you went first during the quiz okay. i want you to tell me how many corners newcastle had in the game against liverpool last weekend oh george um two Okay, Chris. Uh, three. 
The answer is Christopher Wolf, you are this week's winner of the big pub quiz. Chris, you jummy shit. Oh, wonderful quiz, George. I always said you're the best quiz master, so it's um that was shambolic. That was a bit shambolic all the way through there. I didn't set a very good tone with that. Shambolic. George, you're the best. I love you, George. Pathetic. Find out what the scores are at some point in the quiz. I know that I'm losing, but yeah, we need to go back through and, and see who's won each week. I'm sure Ollie could wouldn't mind putting an afternoon aside and looking through everything, would you, Ollie? Producer Ollie, <laughs> that <laughs> seems God, like a good a good use of your time, Ollie. <laughs> wow. Oh well, chops. There we go. That's it. What a fantastic episode. Great to have Amy on and George. I can't believe that quiz. That was that was an absolute. It, that was like jazz quizzing. That's what that was. It was all over the place. Yes, it was. I hadn't really thought of the questions, the answers, um, the format, how to do it, the tiebreaker. One job, Colin. Like, be better. Well, it was it was a freeform beatbox kind of, you know, with it had it had good sort of improvisation. It was very Miles Davis. It was well done, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. The jazz club. Sense that was through gritted teeth, but um, I shall yeah. accept regardless. Yeah, I mean, they're ground down to stumps, to be honest, but there you go. Anyway, you lot, thanks very much for listening. Um, make sure you hit subscribe button uh, so you don't miss any episodes and visit theathletic.com, Newcastle forward slash Newcastle pod, in fact, for 40% off the price of a subscription. Until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to Pod on the Time. We'll speak to you soon. Athletic.